Your choice is simple. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. Hello there and welcome to episode number 14 of Skeptics and Believers, a paranormal podcast. In this episode, Lisa will be discussing the Star Child with the team. So please do grab a drink, sit back, and we hope you enjoy the show. A star child is a term used by ufologists to describe what they see as a human-alien hybrid or a child of alien descent. Whoa. I know. Like that would even have a name. For starters, that's what kind of people we're dealing with. They've got names for things that they don't even know exist. Mm. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Alien well, believers, I think, more so than... So this, this, so this is a <laughs> yeah. human who's, you know, got... Busy with the physics. Well, you know, all these people who have been abducted and they think that they've been interfered with, they yeah. have the they have the belief that these children can So are we are we talking about human women who've been impregnated by aliens? Possibly. I I think that, give, I think it's birth, any kind of combination. Or? I think it's they have this idea that these star children exist. Or it could be genetic or, wibbliness. Yes. Or the other theory is for a star child is it's the next genetic mutation of humans, so our next, you know, what we're going to change into Evolution next. of man. Well, I suppose so. Well, sorry, the evolution of mankind. Yeah. I've never heard of that term before, but I have heard of Starman, which was about the same sort of thing with Jeff Bridges, that film. We're not talking about Jeff Bridges in Starman. I'm talking about a skull that was found in a copper mine in Mexico, and it was found in the 1930s. So the skull was found lying in a tunnel alongside another skeleton of an older adult human. And both skulls were taken, and they've done tests on both skulls um, to try and find out who they were, what they were. But the significance of the star child skull, the, the childlike skull, is its shape and appearance. It's only the top half. They don't have the jaw. They've, so they've only really kind of got from, like, just below the eye orbits and round the back. And it is... It's like a balloon. It's like you've blown up a balloon. It's just skull-like, but with this big... But couldn't it have just been something like elephantitis? Well, well there's lots of different theories as to what it could be. But um, there's... You what know, was it doing down the mine? No one knows. They came into the possession of the um, Ray and Melanie Young, and they lived in Texas. It seems to be a little bit wishy-washy as to how it ended up getting to them. It's all a bit vague from what I've... Can figure out yeah, I think because from what I'd read, the, the girl who originally found them by the time she'd grown up and become a woman and died, uh, although apparently she kept them through her life, her story about finding them is kind of third-hand happenstance now and was it true, is it a story or what? Yeah, there's no direct... Um, so, so yeah. Lisa, what, what, what have the tests 
sort of proved? The school's now in the possession of paranormal researcher Lloyd Pye. What happened um, to the other? You, you said there were two skulls. Is there anything saying what happened to the second one? A project was set up by Lloyd Pye and uh, Ray and Melanie Young to do tests on this skull. They thought it was unusual. They wanted to know what it was. So as far as I'm aware, they've got both the adult and, as it's now named, a star child skull. Yeah, the the child skull is the only one that, that looks abnormal. Mm. So it's it's not like they've got a grown up alien and a baby alien skull. It's just it's just the, the younger skull, the infant skull is the one that looks strange. Yeah. Pi has funded and paid for years and years worth of DNA testing and cell testing and bone testing. All manner of... I was just going to say, I don't think he's paid for it himself. I think he gets money off. I was well, going to say, yes. that kind of research uh, costs a lot of money. Yeah. It does, yeah, yeah. Which is why they set up this Star Child project. Mm. Kickstarter. So, yes, I, yes, I think he... Um, Virtually, yeah. Yeah, he, he requests money off people who are also very interested and want to know what this skull is and who it is and what it's made up of. Apparently the skull is as well as being abnormally shaped with the eye sockets very close together and there's no there's no kind of nasal passages apparently mm. either it's very light there's a quite a few abnormalities regarding it you know they tried to cut it as they would normal bone and the the little blade the kind of dremel type blade it wouldn't cut it at all so they've had to go to diamond tip blades it's exceptionally hard but very very light as well so that they've uh, they've found some that's bizarre. Well, they found some evidence within the bone itself of fibres. Did you read about it? Yeah, I read that. It, it, uh, that was one of the things that I raised my eyebrows at because although it, it's all presented quite scientifically, the the statement around those fibres just explained them as being um, mysterious fibres. Yeah, mysterious. Which isn't but, very scientific. No, but they weren't. They 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 tested them and they're not organic in nature, so it's not something that could have developed within the bone and they're they're so so small they haven't been able to actually separate the fibers from the bone itself so it it is a little bit vague Mm. but they they're putting this forward as the reason why it was so hard that it's almost like you know when you put steel rods into concrete it's almost like the kind of yeah a bit like some kind of um spider weave thing that they're on about with um bulletproof armor Uh i don't know if you've heard about the creating some kind of bulletproof armour that uses kind of like spiderweb technology where it kind of weaves in in with itself and it makes it very kind of like rigid and kind of impenetrable. Yeah, nothing's ever been found like it before as far as I could tell. It was... Um, but they haven't been able... They still haven't been able to separate these fibres so they could test exactly what they are. But there are... They have... Um, but, but can, I mean, can I ask the question, is that due to a lack of funds... As opposed to a lack of technological know-how. I'm sure yeah, they'd so, like some yeah. money if you want to donate. Well, I'm just thinking of, I know in the past when we've, we've, we've been talking around subjects, that there was the, um, I think it was Venezuela, where there was this supposedly small alien that was seen walking around. And it was, it was a story that had been going on for about 30 years. And the skeletons of the so-called alien were actually shipped over to, I think it was the British Natural History Museum. Yeah. Somebody from some sort of... Uh, it was some sort of animal and sort of monkey specialist was involved with it, and they just concluded that it was a monkey skull. 
And after lots of to and throwing, even though they said, you know, they'd never seen one of that size with these certain dimensions, he was able to go through the archives and more or less marry it up with, you know, uh, um, a sort of a recognised and observed animal. And I just, I can't believe that there wouldn't be the willingness of the scientific community to to look at it and to say one way or the other. I think they have. Yeah, some people have. Some people have come forward and, and all the tests that Lloyd Pye has initiated and had funding for, they've all been completely independent. They haven't been run specifically by him. So there is some scientific... Yeah, it gives more credence, because I was going to say, if uh, scientific tests are being funded by one specific person and they're just having one specific scientist or group of scientists doing it, you can quite easily bung them a backhand. Yeah. But then again, if those, you know... are they are they reputed scientists? Are they credible? You know, is it all of that mm. stuff? But if it's being independently thing, yeah. by the people, then you know, it gives a little more little more credence yeah, to yeah. the well it, results. They ruled out all known deformities that could have happened to a child. They carbon dated it and they found that the skull was about nine hundred years old. Even if it had only been discovered less than a hundred years ago, it had been lying there for for nine hundred years. So that's about like half a Jesus. <laughs> and they determined that the the adult skull that was that was there as well was also of about the same uh, same age period as well so about 900 years ago give or take about 50 years i think they said so they they think that they died at the same time or there was one theory that the child had died and then the woman had lain there with it and committed suicide in a kind of a so is it just get this right the, the skull that we're talking about is it just a Large spherical part of the back of the skull, or is it elongated? Or? I've got a, I've got a, a picture I can show you mm. it's on my laptop. I was going to bring it in and just show you the picture. We'll put a picture on the website. But if you if yeah. you type in Star Child Skull, then um, yeah, there's lots of pictures. It's only half of a skull. Like I said, the orbits of the eyes are squished slightly and really really close together. Um, uh, we should put the link to the Star Child. Um, oh, Star Child Project. Yeah. yeah, the Star Child Project website as well, because al- although I don't believe that it's anything particular, um, and that a lot of the the information on there is kind of pseudoscience, mm, that's bit, obviously yeah. up to your judgment. Because I'm not a scientist either. A dentist examined the skull, and he determined that the child would have been four and a half to five years old at the time of its death. A few other people said they thought it could be anything from that to about 12 years old, I'd read. Oh, right, OK. So it was, it was a That's kid a, anyway, yeah. I think. Is... But the head itself was actually about 200 cubic centimetres larger than it should have been, which is quite big, really, when you're talking about such a small head. No, I'm just looking at comparisons of that skull next to a, um, a human adult skull, and it's, it's, it's considerably bigger. Yes, yeah, it's quite unusual. Well, what is quite interesting is if you look at some of the sort of reconstructions that have been done based on the the, the you know the the skull, it looks a little bit like the Martians from Mars Attacks. Yes, yes, yes it yeah. is. Yeah, the the thing with the reconstruction faces that I've seen though is that they don't have the bottom jaw, so they're really just guessing. So, very big head, no bottom jaw. To really, so a lot of the pictures have it quite pinched in a in an alien esque as we know it style. Yeah. See, because when you first told me about the Star Child skull, I was thinking of this, and I'm just going to show. I'll put a picture on the website. 
I'm going to show everyone here a picture of the uh, Paracas skull, which is... Can you uh, all see yes, that? Yeah, I've seen that yes. one, yes. Now, that, that's originally what I thought you were going on about. Now, uh, these these right. are skulls where um, when, I think it's from uh, like South American tribes people, when they were young, their skulls were uh, yes, bound... they bound and put to, planks against yeah, their head. Yeah, which stretched the skulls up. So as they grew, yeah. the skulls yeah. would grow upwards. Well, this partic- well the, this, the star child skull has got evidence of flattening at the back of the skull. Mm. So it's quite large and round, but on the back it's particularly flat. So there is some um, some theory yeah. that suggests that it, has a, that, that it could have been part of a tribe that did practice the skull shaping anyway. But you'd, you'd expect to see a lot more of these kind of skulls showing up, though, if, if it was like a tribal thing, because they would yes, have been doing yeah. it for hundreds of years, maybe. Yeah, so. well, there, some experts have said it fits the right kind of time period and the right kind of place, because it's South America again, mm. remember? And it's you know nine hundred years ago, but I think on the on the the website that I, I mentioned before the uh, the Star Chart Project website, one of their experts has also said that it it doesn't match the same kind of stretching you see on things yeah. like that, mm. which is you know, quite a different picture. I mean, because with those with that like the Paracas skull, you look at that and you can think, oh, aliens when you first look at it. If you didn't know anything about the binding, yeah, or exactly. That, so. Now the thing is, if you if you had a child who already suffered from a deformity, mm. and then you bound their skull, it might look different as well. That might be yeah. part of what's going yes, on here. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't really explain the the increased sort of tensile strength of it. That no, is no, no that that is a very weird part of it. I mean, and I was the, thinking the bone was also quite a bit thinner yeah. than normal human bone, but, but stronger. stronger. But stronger, yes. So the, it's quite unusual. There's also another anomaly within the bone itself. Was they found? Um, you know, if you you have a piece of bone, it, it's got like little holes in it, haven't mm. you? Where the marrow sits. Yeah. They found kind of like red residue. It's like a not really, really dark red, like dried blood. It is quite, it's quite bright and it's quite noticeable. You can see it just with, you know, just with your eyes. And it's like a residue that's just inside all the tiny little cavities. Not all of them, but it's, it's on. It's quite visible on these tiny little fragments they've taken. And um, they said that. The skull had been there so long that any matter would have just just been eaten away by bacteria. There'd be no marrow, there'd be nothing left, there'd be no residue left. But there are significant amounts of these red... Oh, I don't know, it looks... Like a protein looks, or something. Well, it's, it's sitting inside the cavities, like a stain almost, mm. um, and nobody knows really what it's it is. It's not like copper residue or anything. No, no. No, no well, the, the other skull doesn't have it as well. No. The tests that they've done, the DNA tests that they've done, we've moved on, they've done the carbon dating so they know how old the, the skulls are. So they've put them at around the same date. But the DNA testing is where it gets quite interesting. They've tested part of the DNA and the child and the mother were not related. Mm. They, they come from different... They were both they were both found to be female. Right. But yeah. so, so it's not necessarily the mother... The mother hasn't... The, the, mother the mother's is just a, what the title they're giving because it was a human female family. Yes, it was just an adult yeah. female that was found found with her. But they, they um, you can trace DNA back to, is it about 30 different human types? Hmm. So from different areas. And the child they have found is from an A group and the adult was from a C group. So they weren't related. But that there are particular tests that have said that the star child skull is human and then there are also tests dna tests which say no they are so different to humans 
No, I, I, well, okay, I say no. But from, from what I'd read, the difference is that the, the DNA testing they've been able to do so far can only identify characteristics taken from the mother. So it's what they call mitochondrial, mitochondrial DNA. DNA. Yeah. Um, and that proves that the, the child's mother, at least, was human, and it came from this subgroup that Lisa mentioned. But they're not able to test where the, the male parents' genomes say or anything like that. So that's one of the things that they're hinging on, is this idea of being a human-alien hybrid rather than being an alien baby, yeah. being a human-alien hybrid. Because they can say that there's definitely female exactly, yes. human and, DNA. And it's, it's that they don't have just a definite proof that there is a human male father. So they're saying that, so it must be an alien because it's weird, which I, 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 I think that's a bit of a leap, personally. They also did check the chromosomes of the child in 1999. That was the first test that was done on it when they did the carbon dating as well. Yeah. And it's a boy child. It's got both an X and a Y chromosome. Now, if you remember your school biology, you can only get a Y chromosome from your dad because yes, yeah. your mum's got two Xs. So yeah. if you're a boy, you've got to have a human dad to get your Y chromosome. Where's the alien bit come from? So we're saying, but we're saying human or humanoid. Yeah, well, you know, it could be a pygmy. What else could it be, though? It could be there is a condition, and it only affects about one in eight million of us, and it's called hydrocephalus. And it's that is a build-up of fluid within the brain. Um, quite interestingly, there was a, an article recently about um, a girl in India. Within the, um, the DNA analysis, um, which Lloyd Pye states is still ongoing, so nothing really, really conclusive. Out of the small sample that they'd got, they discovered that there were lots and lots of variations from between the humans that are around these days on our planet. You get up to about 120 variations within the DNA, but it still keeps us within that human species. Um, and in the tiny fragment of, uh, of DNA that they, that they extracted from the skull they got 93 different variations just in the tiny fragment and they only had, you know, about just under 10% of the whole DNA strand. They got 93 variations just within that tiny little section, whereas in an entire DNA strand for humans, you only ever get 120 within our species. So they have found quite heightened numbers. So they do think it is unusual and not necessarily human is where Lloyd Pye is going with this. Would mm. that not potentially be... Not necessarily that it's not human, but that it is it's so deformed that its DNA is all out of whack? I don't really know how human deformities are represented in DNA, but it'll have an impact, won't it? Yes. I mean, just, just one variation can be the difference between life and death in a fetus. One thing that's missing from the Star Child Project website... Is any explanation as to why he thinks it's it's an alien hybrid? Or at least I couldn't find anything. There's a lot of stuff on there about, you know, how, how it's a weird skull. And I'd agree, it looks quite weird. Well, it's um, the whole thing of not being able to find the missing link, isn't it? Uh, you know, that, yes, yeah. That, that step between Neanderthal man and, and Homo sapien. If you ask paleontologists, though, I think they'll tell you that there isn't a missing link. There's a specific gene which is present in all higher species called the FOXP2 and any kind of mutation of the gene has a severe negative impact 
um, on development, whether it's function of the brain or sound or speech, lungs, heart, nerves, anything. If it doesn't result in some kind of termination of the fetus before it's born, then they're born very severely disabled and usually don't live. The star child's 211 base pairs in its Fox P2 fragment had a total of 56 variations. I think I think this is possibly one of the most intriguing and interesting topics that we've discussed so far. Even 18 months ago, more DNA tests were done, which did reveal that it had X and Y chromosomes and it must have been human and there must just it just must be deformed. A lot of it is kind of pseudoscience, like I say, mysterious fibres. That's not scientific. That's, you know, no. by my book. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot of I want to believe and if you want to believe, then, you know, please come with me. At least from my opinion, that's the way it looks to me. It's, it's not something that is incontrovertibly non-human. I think that there is enough evidence to say it is human, and there's also some extra evidence that uh, they keep paying extra money for and getting donations to fund this extra research mm. for, which is starting to say, oh, it looks a bit strange, but we're not quite finished yet. Can we have a bit more cash? Here's another book. What is it is interesting, but really there's a, the, 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 the real probability here is that it's some deformed kid and they're spending, you know, I'm, I'm assuming an awful lot of money mm. doing tests on it to find out, you know, just to prove that. So what do you think about the fact that it's an alien hybrid? Because that's, that's the part that I really struggle to get my head around why that would come. I think the thing is that, you know, when you look at a lot of history and myth in that particular part of the world, when we hear these stories about conquestadors going there, finding a lot of advanced uh, technology... Like a flying gold condor. Well, you know, I... I it just seems to me that there's more in this than at first meets the eye. Mm. And I'd probably need to go away and sort of do my own sort of research before I could sort of say one way or the other if I, I was a believer or not. But there certainly seems to be a number of elements that, when added all together, cloud what the truth is. The fact that, in, you know, it, the, the age of it, the fact that there's this DNA element, the fact that then there's this other, this Fox P, P12. Yeah, there's, there? there's mutations there's, and variations. There's, there's lots of elements all, yeah. to it. And I, I find it, you know, genuinely really intriguing. But as I said, I, I wouldn't want to say one way or the other, but I think it's definitely worth, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, I'll certainly go on the website and have a look into it. So I'm sitting on the fence. Well, you know, one thing to say about um, specifically like South America he says a lot of things about the culture, Aztec culture and Mayan culture, that I think we still don't really know about or understand. I mean, you know, the, the weird ritual sacrifices to the sun gods and things like that, you don't know what they would have done with, so like deformed or disabled people and children, you know, mm. whether they objectified them or whether they banned them from from their society. It's one of those weird things, isn't it? Mm. You like to believe the stories of El Dorado and, <laughs> you know, the, the NASCAR lines being like uh, landing strips or signals to to beings above. Um, and there's, there's, in one of the Inca pyramids, there's a drawing of what appears to be a guy controlling a spacecraft. You know, it's all, I don't know, were, were the Aztecs visited by maybe. beings from another world? and maybe, with them. I don't know about intersexed. I don't know, maybe... 
some kind of experimentation mm. on human DNA. Who knows? was episode number 14 of skeptics and believers so if you haven't already please do like and subscribe to the podcast it would be very much appreciated and if you have then thanks ever so much for your continued support and we genuinely do hope that everyone who listens to these doesn't find some level of entertainment and information out of it so uh, please do carry on listening if you have been up until this point next week we will be discussing Something that I'm quite passionate about in a negative way is psychic mediums. So until then, please do take care of yourselves. This podcast has been brought to you by Obsidian Shark Productions. The music featured in this podcast can be found at freemusicarchive.org and is used under the Creative Commons license. More details can be found on our website. Music